Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. Well, I don't know if uh, disputes over monuments and things are going to change your life, but occasionally they get to the Supreme Court. And it appears that yet another case involving ancient crosses, memorials, is going to the Supreme Court. Here to talk about it is Roger Gannam, Assistant Vice President of Legal Affairs for Liberty Council based in Florida. Roger, welcome to Freedom's Ring. Thank you for having me, Alan. It's my pleasure to be here. So uh, am I correct? The Supreme Court has said they're going to hear this case. That's right. This is a, a case involving a, an old 40-foot-high concrete cross in a highway median in Maryland that was placed by a number of uh, families to honor the dead from World War One. And for decades, it was not controversial. Uh, but uh, like so many uh, religious symbols on public property, it came under attack uh, and has worked its way up through the courts and will now be considered by the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, when you say on a highway median, is this a, a like an interstate federal highway or is it a, a state road? What is it? It's not a federal highway. It's a, just a busy suburban roadway in Maryland, and uh, it's publicly owned, which is why it became controversial, or at least why it became a target. Uh, who knows if anyone is actually offended by it, but there is a, a group, the American Human Association, that began the lawsuits against it. Uh, it's certainly visible to anyone in this community. Uh, I doubt anyone has, has ever missed it, but it will uh, it will cause the Supreme Court to we think either affirm or you know existing tests for whether a symbol like this is constitutional or maybe come up with a new one. Uh, but for sure, the law on this kind of memorial and whether it's constitutional has been very confused for a long time. So we're hopeful that, that something good will come out of the case. So um, maybe you said this before, but when was this cross erected? Um, this was erected in 1925 as a tribute to the local men who died during World War I, uh, and it was paid for by local families and businesses and the American Legion. It was just to commemorate the local people who had died in that war, and it was uh, surely expensive for the time and, um, and a significant symbol. Uh, and it's a cross to resemble the, the crosses that memorialize our dead in military cemeteries. Uh, if anyone has ever seen Arlington, for example, uh, or other military cemeteries, generally uh, crosses are used as the grave markers. And this giant memorial was intended to be a replica of one of those grave markers. Do you know whether when it was placed that this was um, a, a public highway at that time or was it a different was the highway built around it? Well, it sits on a piece of land that, uh, at least since the 60s, has been owned by a state highway commission. I'm guessing it was originally erected on private property, uh, but as the state roadways grew, uh, it became public property. And part of that deal means that the state pays for the maintenance and upkeep. That probably means mowing the grass. I doubt there's any <laughs> upkeep required of the cross itself, but right. uh, but it does sit on public property now, and uh, and because the state maintains it, 
that probably provided the hook for this lawsuit to get filed in the first place. Sure, sure. And I know in, in other cases, there's been an attempt to transfer the land to private hands to some kind of charitable foundation to avoid the idea that, you know, a religious symbol is being maintained on public land by the public at public expense. That's right. And uh, even in a case like that, uh, it triggers some type of, of court review of, of that transaction. And the question that's always asked is, was there a, a secular purpose or a non-religious purpose for transferring the piece of property that the monument happens to be on? Uh, and what we see is just layers and layers of analysis. Uh, and it seems each case just confuses the issue more than it clears it up. A great example is uh, from back in 2005, when on the same day, the U.S. Supreme Court released two decisions on Ten Commandments displays on public property. In one decision, they held the display was constitutional. And in the other decision, they held it was unconstitutional. And in one, they applied one test. And in the other, they seem to have applied no test at all. Uh, so the state of the law in this area is so confused uh, that there's hope that even if this case rules against the cross, at least there will be some clarification as to what the standard is, uh, because that's what gets so many uh, government entities uh, into trouble. That's what I think in both types of lawsuits is uh, you never know what's going to happen. And uh, there's just no clear guidance uh, for decision makers to decide whether to accept a monument or not, or, sure. whether to, uh, or whether to allow it on government property or not. You know, I knew we were going to talk about the Ten Commandments cases sooner or later. The um, the rule that some have observed coming out of those cases is that old monuments are okay, but new postings are not. Because, of course, it was the, the old monument on the grounds of the Texas Capitol that were upheld. And I think it was a, a, a display in a courthouse. I want to say Kentucky, but I may have the state wrong. You're right. It was. That was uh, that was struck down, and, and it was a relatively recent uh, attempt to post the Ten Commandments with other um, secular historical documents. You know, the one thing I guess I hope out of all this, Roger, the the thing that has been so distasteful to me in how the Ten Commandments cases have gone is the attempt to, in a sense, desecrate. Uh, the religious significance of the Ten Commandments and make them into or remake them into simply historical, legal, uh, significant documents, which, you know, they certainly are, but they are fundamentally, you know, the foundational, moral and spiritual foundation of, of the three Abrahamic religions. And you make, um, go ahead. No, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just going to say you make a really good point because that's exactly what the the court's decisions seem to force public officials into is this corner where they say, well, it wasn't really a religious monument, but we all know, and, and I think several Supreme Court justices have even recognized this, of course the Ten Commandments is a religious display. Of course a cross uh, has religious significance. Uh, and what we want to see the court do is to acknowledge that that's okay. It can have both a religious significance and additional significance as part of the legal fabric of our nation or part of a traditional way to honor our dead who have fallen in wars. Um, we shouldn't 
require governments to pretend that the Ten Commandments are not religious, that they aren't the Ten Commandments uh, in order to display such a monument. So you make a really good point. And what we see over and over again uh, is this this sort of suspension of, of reality and an argument that it's not really religious and that's why it should be allowed. And that's really the wrong direction to go in. Well, and I, I look, I think we continue to struggle with what does it mean to be a pluralistic society? And, uh, you know, to the extent that the courts take a hostile approach to religious symbols and, and public displays, I, I think it generates a bit of a cultural and political backlash that ultimately is uh, problematic. Um, I, I think we've got to find, you know, find a way forward. Uh, to include everyone. Now, now, having said that, the criticism, of course, is that, uh, you know, these symbols tend to be majoritarian and, and, and the concern is that they do exclude people of, of other faiths. That's right. Um, that is the argument that's made. And unfortunately, what people seem to be missing is that it is absolutely true that, that the Ten Commandments, that the Bible, that Christian thought or Judeo-Christian tradition all these things did play a big role in the, the founding of our country and its laws. That doesn't mean that, that we were founded to exclude or to be hostile to other religions. It's just a historical fact that, that most of our founders were either Christian or at least recognized Christian values and ideals as being good for society and something good to, to base a, a legal foundation on. Um, and, you know, what also gets lost in all this is you know, even the very idea of, of pluralism or, or religious liberty, religious tolerance, um, is not a neutral idea. Um, for, for Christians applying the rule of law, applying our constitution, our constitutional guarantees of, of freedom of religion, um, recognizing that, that freedom to worship is, is in a sense an article of faith, you know, even for Christians. So eliminating all vestiges of, of Christian thought from our government isn't going to create neutrality. Something's going to take its place. And, and as our culture becomes more secularized, I think we see evidence that, that when, when Christianity is pushed out of the way, when religion is pushed out of the way, uh, this secularism rushes in to take its place. And it's hostile to religion. It's not free. Uh, it doesn't respect uh, the pluralism that, that you talked about. Um, so I think people are, are risking throwing out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak, by trying to eliminate uh, any symbols of, of Christianity from the public square. Um, it's, it's exactly that sort of Christian tradition, uh, Judeo-Christian tradition of, of legal thought that ensures religious liberty for everyone. And that has made this country uh, you know, so free you know, to be such a beacon of freedom because uh, freedom of religion is allowed. Uh, and, and the way to preserve that is to preserve these monuments and, and to allow others, uh, monuments that, that maybe include symbols of other religions in the appropriate times and places. Well, you know, I know that uh, attempts, for example, to, uh, to erect Satanist monuments have been met with uh, alarm and resistance, uh, understandably, perhaps. Roger, I'm not sure I agree with you that secularism necessarily has to be hostile to pluralism or to religion. Uh, I, I certainly agree that there is a, um, a certain type of liberalism that is, in fact, illiberal in the sense of being exclusive and, and not accepting of, of religious values as part of the, 
the pluralistic mix, uh, which is kind of ironic. We've had some interesting discussions about just how, uh, you know, illiberal liberalism can be. Uh, and I think, too, on the conservative side of things, we can have a similar problem. But um, so this case is headed for the Supreme Court. Uh, do we have a sense of, of timing and who's going to argue it? View was just granted. Uh, and given the potential significance of this case as maybe a monumental uh, establishment clause decision, it'll probably be decided or the decision released in, in June at the end of the term. That tends to be when the Supreme Court releases its its big decisions. Uh, as far as who gets to argue it, uh, that's a question I, I don't know the answer to. Uh, we have a, a an administration uh, that will uh, no doubt put the, the, the current Solicitor General or whoever the Solicitor General chooses uh, to um, potentially argue this case for the uh, for the state. Um, we might even see the federal government uh, put a, a the federal solicitor general um, try to to be a, an amicus or, or a, a participant in the case if the U.S. government wants to take a position. Um, but it's going to be very interesting uh, to watch for sure. And, and I think every organization that has a stake in these kinds of cases will probably want to try to participate in some manner, either by filing a brief or, or maybe asking for time to argue. Sure. There usually are dozens of briefs filed. This is a, what, what is the name of the case real quick? We're out of time. Um, this case is, uh, is the American Human Association versus uh, Maryland state officials. I, I don't know their names, but everyone is calling it the Peace Cross case because that's the name of the cross. Thank you very much. Our guest, Roger Gannam. Assistant VP of Legal Affairs for Liberty Council, a case involving a cross going to the Supreme Court. We will keep you posted. As we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help folks suffering religious discrimination, especially in employment. Please check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. Freedom's Ring is also available on SoundCloud, on iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed, get involved, join the North American Religious Liberty Association, producer of Freedom's Ring, on the web at religiousliberty.info. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring. <laughs>